Well, good morning. My name's Steve Hammes, for those of you who don't know me. And today, we're going to wrap up our series, which is Deserted Island Reading. And for, if it's your first time here, I just want to tell you why we chose that. So if you were on a deserted island and the survey says that you could take any book with you other than how to build a ship or a boat or a raft, what book would you take with you? And most people would reply, right. And if you could take one chapter of that book with you, it would be Romans. And if you could take, wait, I said one book, Romans, <laughs> one chapter of Romans, it would be Romans 12. So we're wrapping up our series on that. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes don't you just want the Bible to tell you what to do and what not to do? Just plain English, just tell me what to do so I know how to cross it off and, and tell me what not to do so I don't screw up. And I think that Romans 12 is about as close as you can come to actually doing that. I think it's a great guidebook for living. And if you were to follow it every day, I think you'd probably do pretty good and have a pretty good walk. But I wanted to start today just by taking some nuggets over the past few weeks of what we've pulled out of Romans and what's been preached by everybody. And the first one is uh, when we started, it was offer your bodies as a living sacrifice because that's your act of worship. And then second was don't conform to the patterns of this world. But spend time renewing your mind in the Word of God so that you can test and approve what God's will is for your life. And then we got to don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Use sober judgment. And then Nate Wheeler came and preached a message on you're part of a body of believers in this church and you have a role to play. And you have gifts that nobody else has. And you should use them because they're unique to you. And then Greg, Greg brought a message and it was love sincerely. That you're part of an authentic community, so you should be devoted to one another. Share with people who are in need. And then be joyful with hope and be patient during trials. Now Paul brings as we close, if you guys have your Bibles and you want to open up to Romans 12, 14, we're going to read verses 14 through 21. And I think it's our hardest challenge of this whole series. And you'll know why in a second. <clears throat> so I'm just going to read it. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, become over, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I want to dissect this whole thing into two sections, and I'm going to take it out of order, but by category. And the first is called right living. So let's just start with the first one, and we're going to go to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And as I thought about this, it's like, you know, okay, God, um, what do you want us to do with that? I thought, you know, how often do we really take time anymore in a conversation to be 100% present? No phone, just fully 100% engaged with somebody. You know, just invest in their lives. We talked about it last week at our small group about how having relationships takes time. And it takes energy. And it takes emotion. And it takes a lot to be involved in somebody else's life. But our life is meant to be really a journey, not a destination. 
And I know I get caught in the trap of trying to go from Monday to Friday, and I'm always looking at the next thing that I got to get to. And sometimes you have to weigh out, do I really want to get involved in this person's stuff? Do I really want to go alongside them? But Jesus says, yeah, I do. I want you to get them plugged in, and I want you to uh, get invested in somebody's life. Each day, you and I have an ability to affect somebody either positively or negatively. And we have the ability to allow people to affect us positively or negatively. But I think God wants you to be depositing into the lives of other people. So I ask you, is there somebody in your life that you need to check in with? Is there somebody that's going through something right now that you've just been kind of putting them at bay because you really don't want to get involved in the messy stuff of life and you need to reach out to them? Or do you need to take a break and just celebrate with somebody? You know, at first point, when you hear rejoice with those who rejoice, it sounds like it's easy. And it is until you want to rejoice with the person that got the job that you were supposed to have or the car that you wanted or the success that you thought you were going to have. Sometimes it's difficult to rejoice sincerely from the heart with those people, but Paul says rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, what if we were to concentrate on being present 100% in every conversation that we had? The second piece is live in harmony with one another. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And Jesus told his disciples, when you go into a town, I want you to look for a person of peace and watch for that person. So I ask you, what type of a person are you? Are you a person of peace or are you what I call a, a pot stirrer? When you go into a room, are you the person that brings calm to the room, that brings peace to the room? Are you the person that comes in agitated or just on edge? What's your general outlook when you wake up in the morning? What's it like? You know, are you irritated? And when I find myself going through those where I'm not the person of peace, it's usually something really simple that takes a change in my thinking just to tweak it a little bit that can change the whole outcome of the entire day. And a lot of times it just starts with stepping back and having some gratitude for where God's placed you. I shared with our small group last week that... Um, I was going to the bathroom and that God blessed me in the bathroom. And I don't know if I can tell you that. I did my stuff and then I was washing my hands and I'm listening to our small group. And they're a blah, 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 chat and chatty Cathy's just all kinds of noise and enjoying each other. And I really didn't want to have everybody over to my house, to be honest with you. I was tired. I wasn't looking forward to having 15, 16 people coming over and leading the small group and stuff. And I'm sitting in there and God just said, listen. And I'm listening to them all chatting. And he goes, this is what it's about. This is what small group is about. This is what community is about. We just had the message from Greg on authentic community. And I said, you know what, God? You're right. You're right. I'm blessed by this. I'm blessed to have all these people. And you could hear the love between them. So I got out of the bathroom and I recorded them. And then during small group, I said, I want you guys to hear something. And I played it. And they could hear themselves, but you couldn't really make out who was talking, who was saying what. And I said, I just want you guys to know, you bless me tonight. It was just a change in thinking, but it made my whole night so worth it because I, re I really didn't want to see them. Um, but I love them. And there are people in a small group. I do love you guys. I really do. You know, but it's just that small tweak in your thinking sometimes to change your day. And the next thing is to don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And I like this in the Amplified. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, conceited, self-important, or exclusive, but associate with humble people. 
You know, you look at it and it says, but associate with the lowly. And it doesn't have to just be people. I think really it could be tasks. It could be things that we get to the point that we almost think we're too good to do. You know, just some simple as pick up trash or help cleaning after an event or something that sometimes we just get to the point of oh, that's somebody else's job. And I think it's just that as well. But mostly I do think it's the people. You know, we have a tendency to look at the failures of other people or their lack of self-control or the bad decisions that they made that put them in a spot. And we can kind of remove just a little bit of that humanity from them and we kind of elevate ourselves a little bit and they become a little less and a couple of weeks ago, I was on Elm Street in Manchester. And whenever I have a meeting there, I, I like to talk to the homeless people and just to hear their story. And I met two guys, um, Mike and Frog. I don't know where Frog comes from, but Mike and Frog. And I got to talking to them and listening to their stories. And I asked Mike, you know, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Keene, but I walked here to Manchester. He says, because in Keene, there's no place to eat after hours. And, and Manchester has that. Said, you walked? It takes an hour and something to drive. He goes, yeah, I walked. And so as we talked, and I said, so can you work? And he says, yeah, I can work. But the problem is I don't have a phone. So the guy that I get work from, he has no way to contact me. He goes, I, I need a phone. So I said, okay. So I gave him money for a phone. I said, will you go buy a phone if I give you the money? Yes, I will. I'll go buy a phone right now. I said, okay, here's the money for a phone. and gave him some money to grab something to eat. And then I left. Then a week or so later, I was on Elm Street again, and I see Mike standing there with his, you know, sign for money. Honestly, I was like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? So I get out of the car, and I walk and say, hey, Mike, remember me? Hey, Steve, how are you? I said, great. I said, remember I gave you that money for the phone? Yeah, I do. I said, so why didn't you buy the phone? He said, I did. And he shows me the phone. And I said, so why are you here? He says, because the guy that I get work from who calls me didn't have anything for me today. So when I'm not working, I do this, but I've been working. And God just came up beside me and <laughs> smacked me. And it's like, how dare you? How dare you judge and put yourself, because honestly, I was. I was putting myself just a little bit above him and judging his circumstances. And God just said, no. The moment that you do that, you take all the blessings away. You take my glory away. Because you know what? Being a disciple of Jesus means that you got to get involved in the muck of other people's lives. you got to be willing to get your hands dirty and to not be above somebody else in your thinking. You can think of the worst person on earth that's done the absolute worst heinous crimes ever. Despicable, awful person. And aside from the glory of God, and the grace of God, you'd be standing right next to him, shoulder to shoulder on judgment day. And that's a really humbling place to be. The next is repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You know, as Christians, we don't get to repay evil for evil. It just says you can't. Brian Kunis is in our small group, and he made this comment that we were chewing on, a couple of us in our small group, that just has so much wisdom. And he said this, he says, I'm a UPS driver. I meet people every day. And I don't always have the time to be able to convince them that I'm a Christian and to talk about it. He says, but I also don't want to do something to convince them that I'm not. There's so much wisdom in that. We sometimes just have a moment to be with people. And I don't want to convince them that I'm not a Christian because I didn't, wasn't on my game or I didn't pay attention, you know? 
People are always watching. In the Romans 14.22, it says this, Blesses the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. I think of the times either I'm at work, I'm with a customer, or I'm with somebody. Somebody might tell a crass joke. Do I laugh, which means I'm condoning it? Do I join in? Do I join in to gossip? And I'm part of that? Don't, don't con you know, condemn yourself by what you approve. The second section is called your enemies. So how many of you have an enemy, and I'm not talking about Satan, I'm talking about that person that when I mention their name, stirs something deep, deep down inside. Your heart goes a little bit faster. Your blood pressure starts to rise. You start to feel that anger come up that's way deep down there that you don't want anybody to really know that you have. Nobody has them. I have them. Um, but you know what? That person, we all have enemies. And some of you have really bad enemies, people that really want to hurt you or destroy you. And there are Christians in this world that have real enemies that would kill them, given the chance. And I've had my fair share of enemies over the course of my life. And I remember reading this part of Romans, and I hated it. It's like, why did they even write this part? I hate this part. But vengeance is fun. Getting back at somebody can be a lot of fun, right? I thought of all the things that I would do to my enemies. I thought of taking a poison ivy leaf and wiping it on a steering wheel or putting it on a motorcycle seat, wiping it all over. I thought of calling the IRS and telling them that somebody's cheating on their taxes and making up a story how. You know, I thought of spreading a rumor about somebody. I thought of hacking into their wireless and sending an email that I'm going to bomb or kill the president and watch how many black SUVs show up at their house. And <laughs> I got better ones than that, man. I can, they're good. They're juicy. They're really fun, and I can't do them. <laughs> and neither can you. And I have never done any of those things on us. I really haven't. But vengeance can be fun, right? But Paul says this, Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And I didn't want to preach this sermon. It wasn't supposed to be mine originally. I was supposed to be preaching on the transforming of the mind, and God's pretty funny because he gave me this one. And I didn't really have an enemy till about a year ago. And I have somebody that absolutely despises me and hates me and wants to destroy me. So I read this and this, and I went, man, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And my enemy is a former employee that we had to let go. And this, this employee made up a story, totally false, and filed a lawsuit against me and, and my company. 100% false, but he wanted money. He wanted us to just give him money. And as a matter of principle, my business partner and I said, we're not going to do it. So it's cost us a ton of money. And this guy just wants to, he would be happy if I weren't here. He would be happy if he could destroy me. So I read this, bless those who persecute me and bless and do not curse them. I don't want to. I don't want to bless this guy. At least I started that way. Because that bless word in the Greek, it's eulagio. And it means to invoke a blessing, to consecrate a thing with solemn prayers, to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow blessings on, be favored of God. And I don't want that. All right, but why would Paul even write this? It's like, Paul, why did you write this? Come on. Paul was there when Stephen got stoned. And he, as the rocks are hitting Stephen in the head and in the chest, Paul heard Stephen say this. He said, he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. 
And Saul approved of their killing him. And Paul knew what Jesus had said about his enemies in Luke. He said, love your enemies and do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you. And you know, once Paul became a follower of Jesus, he had those same enemies that he was to the Christians. He had those people that despised him, hated him, wanted to kill him. But he had a different lens. And he saw people differently. And God had changed Paul's heart. And I think that he saw the poison in hating somebody for what it really was. And Paul hated that with everything in him. So I'm supposed to bless my enemy. You're supposed to bless your enemies. And I found out the first way that I can do this is I stop talking ill of my enemy. I stop saying bad things. That's step number one. And I start to pray for him. Because it goes on to say, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And I really like that part. <laughs> heap him on, burn him down. But I had to think, what does that really mean, to heap burning coals on his head? So my study Bible said this. It goes back to the Egyptian tradition of carrying around hot coals on your head as a sign of repentance intended to bake out the bad thinking. I want to crank the oven up really high. But when I first started to pray for my enemy, it was kind of self-centered. It was, you know, I want him to come to know Jesus because I want him to realize what he's doing and to change his ways and to drop it. And God said, that's all about you still. You haven't prayed for him yet as your enemy. And I had to change my thinking. It goes against our grain. It goes against everything our culture would tell you to do to pray for an enemy. So why? Why would we even do it? It says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, the truth is, while this is designed to change your enemy, it's equally, if not more important, to design to change you, right? And you can't do it by yourself. If you just read chapter 12, came in here today, and we read it just like I just did parts of this, you'd say, you're crazy. This is insane. But if you read chapters 1 through 11, you'll realize Paul was leading up to this the whole time. He was talking about what it's life to live, like to live a Christian life, to, to let God come into your heart, to surrender to him. You'll see that Paul was building up to it so that you could surrender your life. You could allow Jesus to take this because it allows Jesus to come in and help you to release that. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of that desire to get even and to be true from any offense so that you are free to love others and have the Holy Spirit flow through you. So I got to pause for a minute. Ellen Kunis, Brian's wife, is in our small group too. And she does this thing called So That. She does another thing called But God, but I'll save that for another day. She does So That, and I think it's really cool. She'll take a scripture like we just read, and at the end of it, she puts the words So That. And she'll say, I'm going to do this so that I can become a better light to other people, or so that I can learn to share the gospel freely. Or so that I might be able to bless somebody. She takes the what you're supposed to do and puts a so that on what it's going to accomplish. And that gives her the reason for why she does what she does. So I'm going to bless my enemy. I'm going to pray for my enemy so that he'll come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And I just think that little nugget has been so helpful to do that. You know, if you want God to serve in an area of justice, if I just want justice and I want my way. God, I want you to make this right. I want you to drop this lawsuit. I want you to, to destroy my enemy. That's not what God's after. God says, if you really take this to heart, you're going to want the justice, but you're equally going to want your enemy 
to be blessed, to come to know him as a savior. And that part won't matter as much. And sometimes, honestly, the only reason that you and I even have enemies is because we refuse to let go and we refuse to forgive people for something that they've done to you. Clara Barton was reminded of something especially cruel that somebody did to her when she was young. And this person was saying, Clara, don't you remember when that happened? How can you, how can you not remember that? And she goes, no, I, I remember distinctly forgetting it. Choosing to forget, choosing to let go. Sometimes we need to let go of offenses so that you can move closer to God and be better in his kingdom. A number of years ago, I did a sermon here where I, I brought an actual door frame and I put it up and I had a long pipe and I was holding the pipe and I said, you know what? All the pipe represents are all the things and all the offenses that are in my life that I'm hanging on to. All the things people have done that I'm remembering, all the little things I got under my skin. And I come up to the door and God's on the other side going, come on, come on through. And I try to go through the door and I can't go. And he's on the other side just saying, let it go. Let, let go of all that junk and come through because I want to walk deeper with you. I want to take you to a new place. And I stand at the door frame, and unless I let go, I can't go through. And so many of us get stuck right there. Our, our walk becomes that way because we're hanging on to junk. We're hanging on to the forgiveness that we won't let go. So as much as I'm learning the value of saying, so that, I'm also learning the value of saying, so what? So what? There's so many things that can happen to us, you and me, in the course of a day. Somebody gets under your skin, and to learn to say, does it really matter? So what? And let it go. And let God, you know? So what would happen to you if you could learn to say, so what? What would happen to your personality? What would happen to your day? I bet you'd have more peace. I bet you'd have more happiness. I bet you'd have fewer enemies, more friends. So I want to close by, by doing this. I want to ask you a question. What are you going to take away from our series in Romans? You know, a lot of times when I come to church, I leave and, and, and I don't do a takeaway. I, it's like I went, I did it. But I'm going to ask you this. When you come to church, can you do one takeaway that you take with you, that you go throughout the week and you work on? And I think our series in Romans had a lot of that, the ability to take a nugget and just work on it. Work on it during the week because we do want to better our walk. We do want to grow closer to God. So I want to just go through a couple of these things. And then I want to spend a minute. Just have your time with God. Just listen to him. See what he'd say to you. So a couple of the nuggets that we went through. What about renewing your mind? What about this week if you could take the nugget and just spend a little more time in the word and let God change your mind and renew your mind? What about changing the way that you think about yourself? Maybe to look at yourself a little more soberly instead of so highly. Or maybe you're thinking too lowly of yourself, and maybe you've got to realize God loves you, man. God loves you. What about the way that you act? What about the things that you've been doing that other people are watching? Maybe there's something that you change that they go, wow, he's a Christian, really? I didn't know that. I want to be, believe that. What about using your gifts? What about the gifts that you're just sitting there and you haven't really used much, but you could. You could step into that. How about getting involved in the life of somebody you know just needs a call? Somebody just needs to be picked up. Somebody needs to have somebody come alongside them and just carry them for a little bit, help them out. And your time's precious. We get it. But what about getting involved in their life? 
How about choosing to change the way that you act during the pressures of life? When life squeezes you really hard and you just feel like, Ugh. what about just choosing to change the way that you respond and respond with joy, respond with patience? What about how you interact with the people that you know don't like you? What if you were to truly be able to pray for them? What if you're truly able to bless them? What if you did something really nice to them? You brought them something. Just blow their mind. Kind of cool. So I want to just take a, a, a minute today. Maybe you can draw a line in the sand on something you've been doing a while and you just know you really should change it and God's speaking to you. I just want to Take a minute and just close your eyes and just have a little conversation with God. Heavenly Father, I know that you must just love it when your people come to you and just say, speak. And we're not full of speaking at you, we're listening. It just must bring a smile on your face. And Lord, as we come to you today and we say, well, what would you like me to change? Would you please speak to us and just show us? And during the course of this week, would you put it in front of us? And Holy Spirit, just remind us when that moment comes and you go, hey, remember we talked about this on Sunday? That we can change our way to be able to walk deeper with you. We'll be able to please you and serve you and be more of a light in our community, God. Lord, I thank you for your word in Romans where you, you gave Paul the words to write to just give us a little bit of do this, don't do that, and just a guidebook for living. Help us to absorb that. Help us to get in, into the Word and not let this series pass by, be unaffected by it, but just bring it home. Bring it home to our hearts, God. Bring it home to our lives. Then we may be affected by it. We may be different as we walk out of here and we go forward. Lord, we lift up our enemies to you, those who would seek to do harm to Christians and your people. Lord, we pray that they would come to know you. We pray that as they persecute those who they persecute, they make fun of them, they poke fun, sometimes they kill them, Lord, that we would be like Stephen and just be saying, don't hold it against them, but just shine the light of you. Thank you, God. And I pray for those who are just deciding to make a difference today, that you would equip them as they go through this week. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Amen. So if you want to draw a line in the sand today and you want some prayer on this, I'd love to pray with you. And I know Ed would, Greg would, a number of the small group leaders. Come on up. We'd love to pray with you. If you're a newcomer, don't forget, we have the meet and greet downstairs. Love to see you down there and get a chance to get to know you. Otherwise, have a great day and go Patriots.